listening to the rest of us on the rest of us podcast network military taught me uh and so i'd also be interested in your perspective on it obviously first is like the mental strength where it's like it's a whole bunch of crazy things you don't think you could ever get through and you're pretty convinced of it at that time right you're like this totally sucks yeah. and like if i get out of this and the, often it's the like, little shred of hope right if i just get out of this i'm gonna get a cheeseburger <laughs> you know like it's little stuff man do you remember any bullshit right and it's that adversity that brings people together do you remember this like bar back home right and like remember this thing or that thing and like it's all you do you sit there and daydream about this stuff or at least we did and first is that level of just like perseverance where like sometimes it's just learning to get that deep into the pain cave and then like the second part is realizing that like it is a lot of hard work yeah like the hard part is often getting started and that always sucks but that's the part of like all new hobbies right and so the fun of golf is it's like almost the pursuit of perfection, right? Like it's, it's like, I think the thing that makes me kind of frustrated with life today is that it's this, we, we are quick to say nobody is perfect. And that part is very true, right? Like the idea that there, there's first this definition of perfect that we all have to meet. And second, the idea that like holding people to a standard of perfect is a bit ridiculous, but that's not to say that it isn't worth pursuing, right? And I think of that from the honor guard perspective where we'd spend 12 14 hours a day drilling right and it was the same 20 movements over and over and over and over and over again and it was we got it pretty damn near perfect you know but it's because we spent 3000 hours learning this one movement versus you know doing it two or three times and be like well I don't get it right and we all started at that step but like it was it's the grind and i think that's what like that's what makes golf fun for me and i guess that that's also like partly personality type, finding things that are hard and pursuing them simply because they are hard and simply because it's it's like a fool's errand makes it a journey that's worth exploring. And that becomes the, because like the fun part is every once in a while you do get it perfect and you're like, man, right? Like it feels good because it was hours of work to get there weeks or days or months and often years. But I feel like we don't chase that you stress anymore uh, because, and in part is because we see everything as hard. Uh, and it's again, not to say like, we all haven't spent weeks on the couch, binging Netflix or ordering pizza because like we couldn't cook, but they're all mental states we end up in, but we're all fighting a battle and it's learning to compete every day and go, I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. And sometimes it really is just being like, and today that means putting on my socks (laughs) tomorrow will be shoes that I agree with wholeheartedly. I didn't even open the front door yesterday. I was home. I mean, I worked, you know, worked from the house here. My roommate left early for work and he was gone all day and he got back and I was laying on the couch and he called me on his cell phone and he said, Hey man, what gives? I said, what do you mean? Where are you at? He said, I'm at the front door, but it's locked. <laughs> I said, Oh, well, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I haven't opened it all day, but that's part of the the struggle, right? How we, you and I specifically have, have gone from think back a year ago to where we're at right now. That's always yeah. going to be probably for the rest of my life, a benchmark for me, not even the yeah. beginning of COVID, but the, the end of COVID and 
but I think that's like, hey, I think that's one of the cool parts about tragedies, I guess you could say, right? Like they are giant reset buttons often in a terrible way. And so there's this saying, I don't know if it's Robin Hood, the book or the movie or both, but right, rise and rise again until lambs become lions, right? And we all get knocked down. And like, that's normal, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's actually what Carl Brashear has also said, right? It's not a sin to get knocked down. It's a sin to stay down. And it's like that exact thing. Like we all get knocked down and it's the ability to pick ourselves up. Cause I think of exactly like, like shit changes and it's scary, right? Like it's scary for all of us. It's just COVID was scary for me and it was scary for you. And it shepherded in crazy times. The thing that I also hope is that people also learn it's okay to be alone and it's okay to like do these things that interest you. We don't have social norms that we always have to apply. I'm going back to your point about the door being locked. Like there's days, especially if I'm not going to the gym, that I won't go outside for two or three days. And what pisses me off, right, and stresses me out is that there's people going, well, you need to go out in two or three days. And you go, I don't need, like, I'm fine. And there is definitely, it's not to say that we are not, like, we're social animals and we have to get social interaction and we have to, like, go be part of society. But at the same time, our expectations of what is normal have changed so much in the last hundred years. Like I even think of a list of all the crazy stuff like Ray Bradbury or some other Ernest Hemingway, some author would like eat and drink in a day and it'd be like bottles of alcohol, and like tons of cocaine. The dude was just a maniac. And you're like, well, now I understand why he wrote these insane books. Like he just cracked out of his mind. But at the same time, now he would be something. He would be an affliction that the society has to see themselves as necessary to treat instead of being like tortured genius, right? Like we wouldn't have these books because now it's people like him going, well, first, I can't use any of my muses. Mm-hmm. And second, the second that anybody learned about these muses, they would just assassinate his character. And it's not to say those are healthy muses, but it's also not to say that like we shouldn't be trying to correct mental health. We should try to understand how it works and just let it be, right? John Nash. Yeah, one of the best mathematicians in game theory and helped like fight and win World War II. And he was a schizophrenic, but now we would be like, we can't hire this guy, right? He's a schizophrenic. Yeah, but even though he was brilliant, you know, even our favorite artists of of the '90s, like were on, you know, everyone was on drugs or you know, drinking. Still, that was like the norm. You know, that's what we we kind of expected, and you don't see that as much in uh you know pop culture and counterculture uh icons today like everyone's very much you know straight laced and and they may talk hard but they don't live hard you know uh we've gotten to the point i think where we we're manufacturing our talent you know we have american idol you know (laughs) Uh, and everything, you know, dancing with the stars and, and everything is a, a popularity contest. That's a really interesting point. I think of fame, right? Like, I th- and I think of, I think it's Kevin Hart. Somebody has a, a comedy, like a Netflix special, and he does a stand-up routine from like his basement. And he's like, this is the best thing I could ever dream of because he can't be harassed as a celebrity, right? And so like, if you unpack that, that's a really interesting problem, right? Because he hates, all he was trying to do is the thing that he loves and the cost that that came with, which was like everything, like his life and his, his ability to have a personal life and like do anything that wasn't under constant microscope and character assassination was like, that's a really big problem, right? Like to the, to the point where he was like, this is the, like, he saw COVID. He's like, in effect, what he's saying is this is the best thing that could happen to us as celebrities. Uh, and the sad part is that I agree with him. And I think what's interesting from like a content creation perspective is 
almost the bifurcation of those two channels. You have people that want to just teach and shepherd and mentor and like help people because of the ability to maintain progress, right? Like I learned this. So instead of you having to go figure this out, here's what I've learned. And that's what's always made things really interesting, right? And this goes way back into history and deal with the guilds and things like that, where Mm -hmm. we had experience and expertise that was passed along, but we also lost the ability to just go, well, I'm going to go hire a blacksmith that knows all of this and or the gilding and mentorship that came with it. I want to know everything there, there is to know about blacksmithing and therefore I'm just going to go work for the blacksmith for the next 10 years because this is a trade that requires a lot of discipline versus where we have today. We have like this concept of I can just become an overnight master as defined mm-hmm. by my social status, i.e. like Instagram likes, li- these literal quantifiable metrics that don't actually mean anything, right? Like it is influence, but influence uh, one step down and to go like, I guess, crazy brain for a second countries and dictators and autocrats gain power by affecting and influencing everything around you. We do not assassinate the individual. Mm -hmm. We convince everybody else that they're a terrible person and they can no longer do anything, right? We've basically put them into, as ironically John Nash would call it, Nash equilibrium. They have no incentive to make any move in any direction. And this is in effect, how like social media has been weaponized and how we are being weaponized and mobilized against each other versus like the ability to go, well, I'm just going to do what I want and you do what you want. And we will either see things similarly or differently and we'll be friends or not friends. Uh, and all of that doesn't really matter because I'm not so concerned and wrapped up with what you're doing. I'm going to go do what I do. Part of the challenge of that is we've spent a lot of time catering to the simplest, fastest, most economical way to do things instead of saying this is the hard way. And like, right, the obstacle is the way, as Aurelius used to say, or it might be Seneca, one of the Stoics, right? Like, like enjoy the journey and do things because they're hard and the obstacle is the way. And if you find the most difficult way to do anything, like it's not always true, but it's usually like 80% of the time, it's the way worth pursuing because most things worth pursuing aren't easy, right? They wouldn't be worth doing. Everybody would do it. And it would just be normal. Eventually, right? Everything has to come back around. You, you do have somebody who claims to be a master at something. We've seen it with Donald Trump. He yeah. claimed to be the master at what, everything. And <laughs> he was the best, the biggest, the, you know, everything he did was huge. I think you mean huge. Yeah. Y- correction. Huge. huge. All he really had to do was convince enough people that he knew what he was talking about and we put him in charge. And it wasn't, it was not a a traditional, you know, campaign. It wasn't shaking hands and kissing babies. It was a popularity contest. And and I I think it really signals kind of like a new political epoch for the U.S., where now we're always going to second guess the polls, right? It's it's gotten to a point where we don't trust professionals who have invested their life into learning how to how to do a job, and we also don't trust consensus. So that means the worst possible thing could be the consensus of professionals. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but I think also like the challenge that I think one of the things that makes it like the dissonance of this argument, meaning 
innovation challenges the concept and the idea that it can be wrong, right? We can like basically scientifically prove that um, doctors are subjective. And it's not to say, uh, and, and I don't mean that in the sense of discrediting all of their doctoral experience, right? Like they're doctors for a reason. Um, and they're largely good at what they do. But we also know that when it comes to things like how technology can objectively determine things, like looking at MRIs and x-rays, right? Like this is something that ML, machine learning, and AI are really good at unstructured data and looking at a picture and just going, what does this picture look like based on your 8 billion other pictures? And going, I think it's cancer and I think it's A mm -hmm. or B or C or D. Um, I think like what makes technology exciting for me is to go, well, we can basically offload some of that. If we can agree that doctors for the most part understand what they're doing, but we have to start under also understanding the limits and capabilities of technology, right? Technology can go, this is, you know, these are the top 10 things that are probably in this picture. Uh, also understanding that by saying these are the top 10 things, we've now also excluded 11 to N. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that like, we're balancing all of these pieces in helping remove some of the arbitrariness and bias, but we're doing it in a smart and scientific way where we can actually determine that there is bias. What has made it even frustrating for me trying to get mental health help has been me understanding scientifically how doctors work <laughs> and me understanding science and me understanding how bias works. Mm -hmm. You know, just help, help paint this picture in these three things, but because now we also live in this concept where there's a majority that think doctors is a like doctors just don't work. You hit that wall as well. Back to Nash equilibrium. The idea that it in incentivizes anybody to make a move, right? Incentive no doctor has an incentive to help me because I'm asking really tough questions. Mm. Uh, and I have no incentive to go get help because every doctor thinks I'm asking really tough questions. And I am uh, skeptically optimistic only because I know of studies that say, well, like, have you tested for this? And they won't ever tell me yes or no. Like, I guess what's interesting about this now that we've explained it is it's really like a function of trust. I think what we're really saying is I don't trust the medical system because it hasn't helped me. And doctors are saying, I don't trust you because every time I trust you, you call my background into question. The fact that I don't have credibility with you, even though this is my life's work, uh, makes me not want to help you, right? And then and you end up in this like weird stalemate instead of just being like transparent. And I don't know, that is a problem. I don't know how we overcome. <laughs> to the phones. <laughs> <laughs> to the phones. Yeah. You call in uh, now. Let me Tell us, what do you think? Let me check the Discord and see what they say. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today. Please like and subscribe, and don't forget to turn on your notifications so you can hear all the latest from the rest of us.